0: Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to the third Screened Bucket.
1: Screened Bucket 3.
0: Screened Bucket the third. Colon, the revenge.
1: The Revenge, colon, we're running out of these.
0: Yeah, we've got a bit of space. Yeah. Ish. This is our compilation flashback special episode. Huh? Debuckle.
1: Yeah. Adventure.
0: We're treading water right now while we're working on other projects. So we're just playing some of the... Bits from previous episodes.
1: Yeah, we've got some very wonderful uh, film reviews, haven't we?
0: Yeah, we've got our film discussions. We have Life of Brian.
1: We have Children of Men.
0: And one of our favourites of recent months, Dog Soldiers.
1: Answer right now, which one's your favourite? Dog Soldiers. Oh! Yeah. Ooh! Yeah. More than Children of Men. Because oh. I can I can see why Life of Brian would be Left by the Wayside, because it's, well, it's a comedy, but Children of Men is...
0: I mean it is, but right now I'm in a bit of a dog soldiers mood.
1: Yeah, definitely, I agree, I agree.
0: I don't even know why, it seems to have come up a lot of work. Also, American Werewolf in London keeps coming up. Really? Yeah, it just had a birthday. Oh. An anniversary.
1: Well, the spooky season is soon to be upon us.
0: I have been getting weird Halloween vibes, even though it's boiling hot. Like, ridiculous Texas levels of heat and yet I feel this weird like, yeah but I want to wear a skeleton costume and run around at night <laughs> I mean, you know yeah, mustn't judge, kink no. shaming and all that, but exactly. still
1: exactly. Um, have you been watching anything awesome and new, a,
0: or old? What? well we've all been watching The Boys, everyone in the whole world has been watching The Boys
1: oh yeah man, so good, so good it's just on another level. It's uh, Amazon Prime, so I think it's the best thing that I've seen Amazon oh, Prime do.
0: without a doubt. I think the second best is Preacher. It's yes. done by the same people, but the boys just takes it way further.
1: Yeah. Although um, I watched an episode of Preacher today. Um, I think I'm an episode behind what's currently out. Mm-hmm. First three episodes aren't very good in the last series. The two I've just seen... Are Freaking amazing Okay Yeah, yeah that's true. Cool. And there's a fight scene That is just the best fight scene In all of Preacher But I, I won't say anything else
0: Well Preacher's always been Quite slow I think mm. And then it just Throws out all these things Then just Pulls it back in at the end Yeah I definitely. feel like But yes Also Archer I've just finished Archer So it was 10 It's nice. pretty good I got a bit of a lump In my throat In the last episode of Archer of all things
1: The most uh, Juvenile of all Of the cartoons
0: <laughs> Yeah no, it's a bit... Ooh. Things that you've been watching these characters for so long now.
1: Yeah, you have become attached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched... Why have, Why has the brain gone? Patrick Swayze. I've been talking about it since I watched it non-stop. Roadhouse.
0: Roadhouse?
1: Here's, here's, Roadhouse is one of those films I should have watched 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 years ago, I yeah, should have watched it. it's great. I should have watched it when I was 10. But it's bypassed me. More or less hadn't even heard of it just a bit. Always heard it referenced, but thought, meh don't need to watch it it's probably a rubbish 80s film it's amazing
0: it is amazing it's one
1: of the best films I've seen
0: it's the most face punchingly silly film
1: everyone gets punched in the face
0: <laughs>
1: and Patrick Swayze is the coolest man who's ever lived
0: so it's vaguely how would you sum it up in a couple sentences
1: Um, really cool man chilled and then the townspeople get screwed over by the naughty man and he decides to save the day and he's very handsome.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But his, the baddie just lives on the other side of the river okay, or something, here's, isn't here's,
1: it? Yeah, the baddie lives... It's, they're all in close proximity. So he's on the lake, and then the baddie lives right across from him. Right, so right, right. Yeah, conveniently yeah, yeah, yeah. It's place to stay. Um, and the townspeople have all, for some reason, agreed to pay 10% of their weekly profits to this rich man yep. every week and because everyone does it no one backs out of it they're all under contract and he's got some like naughty like relatives and sons and stuff who like um, keep him under his thumb yeah yeah sends yeah. him out to set things on fire and he trashes it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this it. makes it better even though it makes it worse
0: yeah
1: he sends his like droogs to trash the businesses once a week that right. he's like Taking the 10% from what? So it's yeah, like there's a guy who runs like uh, a hardware store, and he's and uh, Patrick Swayze rolls in, and there's like oil canisters have been spilled everywhere, half his stock is trashed. And uh, Patrick Swayze's like, What's going on? He's made friends with this guy behind the, behind the bar, behind hmm. the uh, deck, counter, yeah, behind yeah. the counter. And the guy just comes out rolling a mop bucket and he goes, Oh, yeah, this happens every like, week. So What? <laughs> Why would you keep paying? Because- no. <laughs> what are you paying... What are you paying for? What's the 10%? And then... There's another guy... Who owns a massive car warehouse... And he gets one of his evil children... Or whatever... I think the guy who says... I do naughty things to people like you in prison... Mm. That thing's like... Um, he gets him to roll over all of his cars... In a monster truck... So this is a business... He's taking 10% from every week... And he just caused about... 5 million pounds worth of damage... To... The business... And he still wants to take the money?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's all good because Patrick Swayze is going to save the day.
0: I do remember it being a weird, like, combination of strange characters and stuff just thrown in together. It was. Like it- they wrote it on post it notes, then threw them up in the air yeah. and see where it landed. That's <laughs>
1: exactly it. It's like, nothing has to make sense, <laughs> things just have to move forward.
0: Yeah. Which
1: is- filmmaking.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Anything else? Any trailers or anything that's come out recently? Uh,
1: Well, uh, Joker. Joker, it looks dark. It looks... um, I worry that it's a bit on the same sort of sphere as uh, the Dark Knight trilogy in terms of Mm. tone. I'm hoping it's not.
0: Well, this looks more realistic. Mm. I I don't like the Dark Knight trilogy because they always bang on about how realistic it is and then have big bombs of gas on trains at the end. You know, what? Uh, That's not realistic. Uh, I think this not. looks more, it's more like a, just a nightmare. It's just a tragedy.
1: Yeah, it looks more like you get under your skin emotionally. Um, Star Wars, we got a little glimpse of got gets a red lightsaber, which I don't know what it does. So like, how do you not chop your hand off? Wow. So it's down, and then she goes and it goes and then a the second one sticks out and it goes Darth Maul
0: yeah, I think it's. I think it's just two lightsabers on a hinge. Just
1: click. Why? Because oh, it, I didn't have a hinge. You
0: because didn't need it. One. No, he didn't need one. This is JJ Abrams, of course, coming back to the final.
2: I need to make new lightsabers.
0: That's exactly it. Oh, oh, this looks interesting.
2: <laughs>
0: oh. What's the uh, South Park theme with um, Michael Bay? We can have explosions. <laughs> yes. Uh, they're not ideas, they're just special effects. Yeah. I don't know the difference. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Um a bit a few fan theories have gone around and some of them sound wildly terrible and also kind of likely. It's gonna happen.
1: Um I have my friend uh, said to me as well one that uh Palpatine's gonna uh mind control ray. Have you heard that one? He's going to go into a brain.
0: Also, in the trailer, there was an evil C-3PO. Yeah. Maybe Palpatine takes control of C-3PO. Uh,
1: come up with an evil name for C-3PO on the spot.
0: Darth Shiny Boots.
1: <laughs> <I> mean, <that's, laughs> I'm not going to top that.
0: <laughs> rise.
1: Darth, Darth <laughs> Shiny Boots.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Darth Shiny Boots rise. I appear to have killed all the younglings.
2: Oh, my
0: bad. you feel your destiny.
2: Yes. Oh.
0: And sh- fetch me some coffee.
2: Okay, well, do.
1: I won't blow up that planet now. Oh.
0: <laughs> Ugh, it's awful. Hmm. A prissy sieve. Hmm. Darth prissy. Rise. <laughs> oh, goodness oh, just me.
1: Oh, rise, out of here. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, looking forward to Star Wars? No. Me neither. Move on. <laughs> Let's kick off with the intro for our first film discussion of the evening Life of Brian. Nice.
2: Okay, okay, quiet on the set. We premiere in 3, 2, 1. You're listening to Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. And that was
0: the Brian song, sung. By a 16-year-old girl called Sonia Jones. 16? 16! 16? Could you hold a note like that at 16? Well, I could a few years before, Why?
2: Right?
1: <laughs> what? No, puberty.
0: Oh. Well, anyway, what happens in Life of Brian?
1: Uh, Jesus. Jesus is preaching to a big crowd of people.
0: Sermon on the Mound.
1: Yes, yeah, Sermon on the Mound. And there's some people at the back who can't hear... There's a fight starting, the people have been called Big Nose. But that's not really what it's about. It's about this Brian guy. Right. So, Brian, where is he? He's kind of living with mum.
0: Yeah. So, that's it, it spins off from there. So, he's living with his mum. He's got a dead end job serving. No, what? Well, otters' noses. Snacks at the local coliseum. Yeah. Doesn't have a girlfriend, has daddy issues.
1: Yeah, because he finds out that his mum, well, he made, she made him with a Roman.
0: Yeah, mm. yes.
1: This gives him a bit of an identity crisis, so he doesn't really belong.
0: Well, yeah, and he hates the Romans as it is, so he takes it badly.
1: Mm. So what does he want to do? He decides he wants to join the Judean People's Front. Judean. Did I get that right?
0: Judean. Not the
1: People's Front of Judea.
0: Uh, or is it the Popular Front?
1: The Popular Front of Judea. No,
0: he's over there. At the was it at the summit of the mound? He spots this group, and in the group is this girl, this woman. Oh yeah, and he, and falls, he falls for her immediately. So when he sees her at the Colosseum, where he's selling author's noses and wolf nipple chips, mm. get one. Well, they're hot. They're lovely. So he goes and talks to them, and he asks, "Are you the Judean people's front?" The, the Judean people's front. We're the people's front of Judea. Mm. There we go. <laughs> uh, and basically convinces himself in. They sort of see him as a bit of a joke, so they send him off to do a menial bit of... Heistery. Heistery. Graffiti. Oh, of course, yeah. Bring that fantastic scene with John Cleese as the Roman centurion. Romane aunt domus.
1: That's a- so good. So every kid at that time would have been forced through a thousand Latin lessons. Well yes, school. exactly. And you can
0: you can feel the the hatred for Latin. Oh yeah. And yeah, intelligent because it is the truth. It is actually teaching you Latin. Uh and he ends up doing them fifty foot high and hundreds of times. So he earns their respect. What next?
1: What next? Uh so he's earned their respect. They want to break into a palace and steal a girl, don't they?
0: Pontius Pilate's wife.
1: Yeah, they want to steal Pontius Pilate's wife. So they break in, and whilst in there, he gets arrested. Yep. And then we have the legendary Biggest (sighs) sin.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, so from there, we just see Brian goes through the ring, doesn't he? And he ends up uh, being arrested, then going on the run, and then that's it, basically. Hmm. It's a whole... It's a bit of an adventure story that ends badly. It's all kind of parallel to Jesus's uh, downfall, but not the same way at all. No. Basically. But this is uh, this is Monty Python at its best, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Pinnacle.
0: Well, the, of the films, especially. Although, yeah. actually, personally, of the whole thing for me, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing with Monty Python, for every great sketch there's a not so good sketch yeah so there's ten wa- terrible ones if you're watching them by the series some of it can become very testing but this is just gold from start to finish
0: absolutely so we've got Graham Chapman uh, as Brian does he play anyone else oh he also plays Bigger Stickers doesn't he yes he does uh, yeah he's, he's past his alcoholism he's he's a new man he's full of life and uh, he's also a good front man in Holy Grail but he excels in this one I think
1: yeah absolutely
0: uh, Terry Jones playing his mum.
1: Fantastic, and Terry Jones, I've s- sucked all of that into my brain over the years. Oh, mate, yeah. Every time I want to be a Victorian strumpet or washerwoman,
0: yeah, it's because of him. Well, it's funny. We we were talking about this over WhatsApp after we saw it. This film, more than any other, I think, inspired our humour. Yeah. Because there's certain turns of phrase that I use day to day and I forgot where it was from. And it's all from this film. Mm. You lucky, lucky. And all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's all fantastic. The the ones that stand out, the scenes that stand up, because it is being Monty Python it is still a sketch comedy. Mm. This one's got a bit more of a woven in narrative. But you've still got these standout scenes. The biggest one being Bigus. <laughs> which which famously saw Michael Palin as Pontius Pilate? He talks like this with a actually fairly accurate Roman lisp.
2: Rell him to the floor! What's
0: it? Taking the mick out of his lisp. So Brian's um, supposed dad.
2: Nautius Maximus. <laughs> I
0: think it's a joke, sir. Like uh, Cilius Sodus or Biggest Digger, sir. What's so funny about biggest Dickus?
2: Well, it's a joke name, sir. I have a very great friend in Rome called biggest Dickus. (laughs) Silence! What is all this insolence?
1: The extras had no idea that they were going to do this, did they? They had no idea that... So they
0: were told to be Roman soldiers and not to laugh, but they didn't know the script. They didn't know what would happen. Mm. So when they're told not to laugh, by Pontius Pilate, that's really them being told not to laugh, and then they spend the rest of the scene creasing up and holding their lips very very tightly so they won't laugh. Uh. And once you know that, the scene takes a whole different meaning.
1: Oh, oh hello, hello, buenas noches, hey, hey. <coughs> It's funny because the whole thing about this film, quite obviously, is that you're taking British people, British complainers, the stereotypical Englishmen, and you're putting them in Judea, 33 AD. Yes. So all of this comedy is because you've, you, it's a story that I think in mu- then a lot more than now was like integral to people's lives. Everyone used to go to church, blah, 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 blah. So it's a story everyone knew back to front. And then you're taking the pythons and these complaining, moaning, arguing people, having very British fights and arguments whilst Jesus is dead Well, it's funny when there. you hear
0: a Welsh accent out of nowhere. Yeah. That's always funny. Mm. What's the standout scene for you, Rob?
1: My favourite scene in the film, easily, is. You're not allowed to say Jehovah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so
1: there's a man who's about to be stoned to death, and uh I'm like laughing thinking about it. So there's a although it's, they just add more silly to it. So it's silly enough that a man is about to be stoned to death because he says Jehovah, mm-hmm. and he was just saying it by incident. But oh,
0: what did he say? His that halibut was good enough for Jehovah. Yeah. Yeah. But the the then someone
1: blobs a stone at him.
0: Well the, the thing is what they'd set up before then was that women weren't allowed to attend the stonings because it was written. Yeah. And yet so there's a black market for beards. Yeah. <laughs> uh where the scene where Brian and his mum go and buy stones to for the stoning mm. <laughs> which itself is ridiculous. There's a black market for beards because women are the only ones who go to the stonings. Mm. So that that small little detail it underpins the rest of the film everyone yeah. does their own thing anyway regardless of what scripture says yeah so yes anyway yeah so they so it's full of women all putting on silly silly beards and silly silly voices
1: and then Eric Idle is one of the women yeah. putting on the woman voice so she start with, I didn't throw that no I didn't throw that stone what's the, yeah.
0: the they will scream at some point <laughs> and the uh, John Cleese playing the the executioner the priest whatever he is <laughs>
2: Women here today.
0: Very well. So that's really early on as well.
1: Oh so good. And then, like it, in true Python fashion, it ends with just about eight of them carrying a ginormous boulder and flinging it at, at the end. I always, I couldn't stop laughing at the man who took a vow of silence in the hall. Yeah, I was
0: about to say that. That yeah. is my highlight. Mm. That's Terry Jones playing the hermit. Yeah. Oh my foot! <laughs> so yeah 20 this, years of have been silent At this point Brian's managed to Convince the masses That he's the messiah mm. So he's on the run From the From the Roman patrol And he's just like Speeling out Whatever he's heard I guess Inarguably The most Blasphemous Thing I could see In the film Right Because he's actually Saying s- scripture And people are undoing it Unravelling it Right Consider the Birds well, they don't have jobs do they he's having a go at the birds he's saying the birds are scrounging all that stuff and then he sort of trails off when he's talking and doesn't finish his sentence and they all sort of no, what what are you going to say what what please tell me tell me your <laughs> master master please tell and then all, sort of everything that piles up and piles up so he's running away from the crowd of people that are following him um, and he ends up in a, in a mountain with a juniper he jumps in a hole, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he jumps in a hole where the hermit sat.
0: Jumps on the hermit's foot. <laughs> oh, in my
2: mind. foot!
0: Uh, the, but the highlight for me is the juniper bushes.
2: Master, your people have walked many miles to be with you. They are weary and have not eaten. It's not my fault they haven't eaten. There is no food in this high mountain. Well, what about the juniper bushes over there? <coughs> <laughs> A miracle! A miracle! A miracle! Oh! He has made the bush fruitful by his word. They've brought forth juniper berries. Of course they brought forth juniper berries. They're juniper bushes. What do you expect? So is another miracle. Do not tempt him, shallow ones. Is not the miracle of the juniper bushes enough? I say those are my juniper bushes. They are a gift from God. They're all I've bloody got to eat.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's
1: very, very good. And it didn't go down very well at all, did it?
0: No. So you hadn't seen this before, the the famous interview, had you? I had not, no. So we showed you a bit of it. They got some people right riled up. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know it was banned in Sweden, I think, for blasphemy, or Norway. Ireland um, hated it. Well, yes.
1: I think they banned it in Ireland. Famously,
0: there was this interview. uh there was an interview where... John Cleese and Michael Palin were on a panel with a bishop and some sort of strange clergyman. Yeah, on a show called Friday Night, Saturday Morning in 79, where the priest and the man basically accused him of blasphemy and of undermining Jesus and all this stuff. Not understanding that the whole point of the film is misunderstandings.
1: Yeah. Ironic. But they were, it wasn't just like an angry thing, they were outraged to the point of like, I've never seen the religious people so angry, except for my old head teacher, who was terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, they were genuinely like outraged. Like they're disgusted by this film. And I don't know if it's a generation thing, but I, you know, having watched it yesterday, I was kind of like. Well, why it's not that bad
0: do you think it's because life of brian was the first one to do that
1: yeah i think maybe it kind of uh before that waters
0: yeah before that everything religious was dogmatic and serious and straightforward yeah life of brian when they were originally pitching the idea he brian was supposed to be the other disciple Hmm. who no one remembered who did just obviously lost track and stuff. Uh, but they went sideways with that and just made him parallel to live parallel lives. But there, I think there, there was particular offence over the final scene.
1: Because I guess, yeah, I, I can see the point of you just don't have a crucifixion theme if you don't want to offend anyone. But
0: but the point they made was, in this interview, is that the crucifixion happened to everybody. Mm. And th- if anything, the idea of Jesus being just anybody, does that not make the story stronger? Yeah. Whereas I think the clergy see it as more of a, this only happened to him. Yeah. This was his special thing.
1: Well, he kind of even said that. He said, well, Jesus' crucifixion meant more. It was more, I don't know. I don't know the point he was trying to make.
0: No, who knows the point he was trying to make. But Life of Brian ends with a load of baddies, criminals, thieves on a hill, all singing a bawdy, happy song. And that's what drove them nuts, Mm. I think. Ridiculous, because
1: mm. it's a song that has inspired and been played at countless funerals ever since. Makes people genuinely has makes people really. It's played
0: at the Olympic ceremony, opening or closing. Must be crazy. Really?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I listen to it when England get knocked out of World Cups. <sighs> Jesus, God. I've got a mourning process, and it starts It's got to start somewhere.
0: Uh, well, what's the song? It's-
1: Eric Idle, always look on the bright side of life.
2: You have
0: one message. Message one. Hey, uh, hello. It's uh, Alec Baldwin here. Um, just i to let you know, Adam and Rob, that I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, Screen Bucket's a really important show. Hey, hey, I just hey, what? hey,
2: what? hey. Hang on, hang on, hang on.
0: I what?
1: Have that, I, I had that spot, bro. What?
0: Baldwin?
1: Adam. I have that spot.
0: This is my spot. Oh, you saw me lingering over there. It's got your
1: name on it. Yeah, this is where it? my spot is.
0: It's you got your name on it. I'm Alec Baldwin. You, guys, you can just
1: take my spot just because
0: you're a big actor. i parked. already parked the car. So now you're young,
1: not going into it. I how you, you going to park your car. I can't believe
0: we're having this conversation. I'm trying to have a phone call with two British filmmakers.
1: I'll tell you what you can
0: get it, Bill.
1: What? Reverse out of my spot, and then you can... Oh, I'd better reverse
0: out of my spot. You can
1: reverse out of your spot.
0: Well... Get a
2: reverse out of your spot right
1: now. Wait, why should I? I
2: just said that. Who are you? I'm Alec Baldwin. I'll show you why now. I'll show you right now. Oh, I understand the top one. Yeah. Oh my god, this
0: not. I'm so sorry, Adam and Rob. I've gotta finish this guy off oh, please, Before no. Twiller find out. Please.
1: See you later. And that was Wait by the kills.
0: Yes. That's good, isn't it? What film was that in? That's in Children of Men. Children of Men. Do you like Children of Men? I love it. So, last week, I chose Contagion yeah. for the flu season.
1: Which I wasn't very happy about.
0: Rob was thoroughly miffed about watch, having to watch that and discuss it. Weren't happy at all. So, this week was your pick.
1: Yeah, I had half a mind to choose something that you would hate as much. I
0: expected that. I expected us to be watching...
1: Pokemon, the first movie.
0: <sighs> yes, exactly. However, Rob went ahead and picked possibly my favourite film ever.
1: Yes, Children of Men. What a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful, beautiful film.
0: Yes, and more relevant now than ever before, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, massively. I
0: think when I first watched it, it seemed like something that could happen oh no, I hope this doesn't happen kind of thing. Now it is happening, isn't it?
1: Yeah, to a, to a slight degree, to a growing degree. I mean,
0: yeah. Hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Children of Men, what it does amazing is it sets this scene, this horrible future scene uh, really, really well, in, in a way that I love as well. Um, one of my favourite things to, to set, especially a future sci-fi sort of universe, is with the news.
1: Yeah, and what a news.
0: Well, opening of Children of Men, you hear people talking about the siege of Seattle. The Muslim community demands an end to the army's occupation of mosques. And the Homeland Security Bill is ratified. After eight years, British borders will remain closed. Deportation of illegal immigrants will continue. Good morning! That's the opening of this film.
1: Incredible. Incredible. So this, it all turns out, is the result of something awful happens that results in a very rapid deterioration of international society. Yes. So people, all of a sudden, cannot have babies anymore.
0: Yeah, 18 years prior to the film, which is set in 2027...
1: The Last Kid Was Born.
0: The Last Kid Was Born, because in the film, all the women in the world become infertile. Yeah. In the book... Men run out of sperm. Really? Hmm. Interesting distinction, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I would have gone with the sperm. I would have stayed with
0: the sperm. Yeah, yeah. I suppose is it easier to manufacture sperm? I don't know. Probably. But I don't know. I don't know if that's true. But you know, interesting difference. But anyway. So this
1: it starts off with an assassination as well, doesn't it? The assassination of the youngest person on Earth. Yeah. Who is a massive celebrity. And loved and adored by many. Yeah. Purely because
0: of that fact. So he's 18 and something. They, they, they know it the precisely to the minute how old he is. Yeah,
1: because the, the record passes on to someone else. It he's spells, 18 yeah. years and six months. Or yeah, something.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So he gets assassinated because of a fan. That's how messed up this world is. Yep. A fan who he refused the signature for? Something like that. It's on the news in this cafe where we open the film. Where we're introduced to the Theo, played by Clive Owen.
1: Hmm. So he walks out into the street. Yep. Gets a bit further on. Bang.
0: Bang. A terrorist bomb takes out the cafe.
1: Yeah, followed by a woman, like, staggering out, holding her arm in a mm. very Saving Private Ryan-esque sort of shot.
0: Yeah. And then, credits. Titles. <laughs> Children of Men. What a world we're introduced to. Like, straight off the bat.
1: Yeah, so... uh Theo goes to work afterwards and he pulls a sicky, doesn't he? But he says he's uh too affected by the death of the youngest person.
0: Yeah. So it's not that he's just survived a terrorist bombing. It's that it's this it, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because clearly no one would care if he said he survived the bombing. Oh another bombing? Go. Oh. Yeah. Crimea River. What a world. Yeah. So he takes a sicky. he goes to meet his mate. Michael Caine, who plays Jasper,
1: who is a, well, he's a political cartoonist, was he?
0: Yeah, a former cartoonist who now lives in a sort of hidden shack in the middle of the woods with his, I wouldn't say comatose, but waking coma wife. Yeah, so he, he grows
1: pot for the Fugees, is, is, are his
0: best customers? Yes, yeah, so he sells to the local um, immigrant camp. Because everyone, yeah, oh God, it's such a, it's a world where all immigrants are seen as illegal. As is people who don't take fertility tests regularly. Mm.
1: And the immigrants are known as fugies, Yes. And they're shepherded around in a very Nazi kind of manner.
0: Yeah, it doesn't hold back the punches on that. It's very, very Nazi Germany. Oh, man. Massively. The way these people are treated. Yeah. Um, but shortly afterwards, what happens? He's kidnapped. He is. He's grabbed off the street, bag on the head, back into a van...
1: Taken to a room full, like plastered with newspapers over the walls. Yep. It turns out it's his old sort of colleague in crime, Julian, played yep. by Julianne
0: Moore. That's right. It turns out Clive Owen, I keep saying that, Theo, is mm, not quite the everyman. He's had a past, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, so he was involved in what we would call a terrorist organisation. Yes. Who are kind of, who are at odds with the UK government and their awful treatment of... Immigrants. Yes.
0: So, yeah, it's it's not your standard terrorist cell that we would expect today. It is, in fact, people trying to get equal rights for immigrants and try and sort of express their dissatisfaction with the UK government to the point where they admit that they've stopped bombing and the bombs that continue are the government trying to pin it on them and keep people scared, which is so... 2006, when this film came out. War on terror, people terrified of this war that was going to last forever. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: It hits on a lot of
0: points, doesn't it? Absolutely. But he's been captured for one specific reason. So he can do a mission for them.
1: Yes. A very, very important mission, which involves a woman who turns out to be pregnant.
0: Oh.
1: The first pregnant woman in 18 years. Mm-hmm. And the way it's revealed is extremely biblical, like so much of the film. Oh yeah. So we're introduced to Key. She isn't herself a Fuji. Yep. Um I don't really know how they got hold of her. Yeah. They've obviously rescued her from some from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, she reveals herself to Fio as pregnant in this hugely biblical shot where she's almost like the Virgin Mary and, you know, she's draped in these shawls mm. and she's she's sort of cradling her swollen belly. Yeah. And it's- he says
0: Jesus Christ! <laughs> the whole film is so biblical, to a point where even at one point Theo loses his shoes and has to wear sandals as he escorts Mary around, essentially. He's almost Joseph, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I the, the themes of this film work on many, many levels, but still keep you really gripped. Fantastic sort of sequences. One of the ones we like, which is kind of a smaller one, he decides to leave the safe house of the terror cell, doesn't he? So he overhears a
1: conversation. He overhears that someone in particular is assassinated. Someone who's working with the cell. And he finds out that it's, in fact, people from the cell themselves. So there's a betrayal going on. Mm. So very worried about the fate of Key and the pregnant child. And he takes it upon himself, Theo. He's like, we've got to get out of here. We've got to go. So they're out this safe house. Sneaks downstairs with Key and...
0: Miriam? Miriam, I think it's Miriam. It's like a midwife, nurse. The trunchbull of Matilda fame. (laughs) He was looking after Key.
1: Yep, and uh, so he's disabling all the cars um, and he gets into the car he chooses. It's not a very good car to escape. (laughs) Wheels it out of the farmhouse. He's going down this hill and all of a sudden, they know. And there's a massive crowd running after him. Um, Dreadlock, nasty man. He... Drives alongside the car. He's got his gun in the window. He's pointing it at Theo's head. He's saying, can I shoot him? Can I shoot him? Clive-Owned just in time manages to slam the door into his bike and knock him over.
0: The car still does not start. They're rolling it down. It's so, it's so tense and so, uh, I want to say so English in that it's so small. Hmm. This hot, it is very intensely small. intensely tense scene of just a man who can't start the car. Yeah, there's
1: no, it's not <laughs> driving away from explosions and going over ramps. He's going down the hill in a car that can't start. And a beautiful thing that this film often does is it uses long shots. And mm. from what I can remember, that is one just big, it keeps you in the moment. There's yes. no respite. Yeah. It makes it very terrifying. So you're just in this car and it's a horrible moment. And if they catch him, he's going to. You know, they're going to kill him.
0: I want to say there's no music either. There isn't. It's just lots of shouting and screaming. Which makes it very real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the things. Um, Alfonso Cuaron? Is that yeah, how we've agreed Caran? to say his name? Yeah. The director? Um, one of the things he set out to do is to not... Not make this film feel like... And it's named in the thing I've read. Uh, not, make it, not make it feel like Blade Runner. A future world. Ooh... But to make it feel like we're looking back at a documentary. Right. So yeah. that realism really is part of the whole thing. Um Yeah, so I, I can't express how much I love it. But they go on the run, they arra- they work out the key to get to the human project, is it called?
1: Yes, yeah, so some like
0: safe haven for people. Hm. Um
1: where well, we assume it's probably something of a utopia, maybe maybe people are looked after, yeah. Them, so they're not treated like dirt like they are in in the UK,
0: absolutely. And it's some island somewhere, yeah. Uh, basically, they've they seen that there's a pickup possible outside Bexhill, hmm. uh, which they immediately dismiss because it's a it's a it's a ghetto basically run by the UK government. They just stick all the immigrants. Um, and they realise that's the only place they can go, so they decide to sneak in and get themselves arrested in a in a way that is so Nazi Germany. It's actually quite hard to watch.
1: Oh, massively! And there, there's so much of the story about the world is told through a window. So he'll be in, looking out of a bus window. Oh yeah, something awful will be going on, or he'll be looking out of a train window. There, there he'll be going past. Immigrants who are throwing stones at the train, or he'll be on the bus, and you will be seeing sort of scenes on a pile of Schindler's List. People like yeah. kneeling on the floor, waiting to be shot. Yeah, you know, people who might have disobeyed an order by a British soldier and are pulled out
0: of the bus by their hair. It's yeah, is this is a film where you need to spend half your time watching the action, the other half watching the background because there's so much going on, all the time. Um, eventually, they get into Bexhill and. That's where things really start to kick off. Oh, yes. There's an uprising while they're there. So we see like militias going down the streets, holding
1: dead people aloft, waving their AKs in the air, chanting.
0: Um, Eventually, uh, Theo and Key get separated, and he has to go find her. In possibly my favourite scene of a film ever made.
1: Oh, magnificent. One
0: long shot of him trying to get from one place to another to get into this apartment building to save Key, or at least get to her. And a lot of work went into that scene, didn't it? it? So the scene itself features the British Army arriving in tanks, fighting the militia, explosions, gunshot, people running to and fro, one take. And it took it took 14 days to prepare that shot, with a delay of five hours every time I had to get reshot five hours so the shot was took out. Uh, took place over two days uh but only one complete take was put into the film unbelievable in fact the, the shot that went in the film there's a blood splat on the lens and alfonso wanted to call cut but was drowned out by the tanks and the gunfire so they just carried on and eventually that was the shot that got put in the film
1: it's a Hollywood story right there isn't it
0: it really really is mm. and I thought it then carries on all the way into the apartment but I showed it to a cinematographer friend of mine and he pointed out that the lens changed and it <laughs> drove me mad He ruined that for me uh, but you know still incredible incredible work and that's only one of many many long takes really really good magnificent and we need to talk
1: about uh, Theo as well as a character. Yes. Such a perfect character for this film. Um very much like a nineteen eighty-four protagonist character. You mentioned Brazil earlier, didn't you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So he's Theo is a schlub. He's dirty, he's he's messy. He's got stubble with like unkempt hair. Smokes, he drinks. He's a complete outsider. He's just looking around at the world with a sneer, you know. He's he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be somewhere else, he wants to be safe. Not happening, and he just gets dragged around.
1: Yeah, he still, he's kind of enjoys life still, doesn't he? And he's got a sense of humour.
0: He does, he has a, yes, there's an, such a dry sense of humour throughout this film, and it's mostly just him. Mm. What's the scene you love? So, when he's kidnapped at the start of the
1: film, mm. um, he's been berated by one of the kidnappers.
0: Mm. Are you he- saying The kidnapper's saying, we're going to watch you, we're going to, don't go to the police, we're going to keep our eyes on you. Your breath you. stinks. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, amazing. My favourite line is, you know, I'm not going to spoil what what happens, my favourite line is, what a day. Yes. <laughs> really made me laugh.
1: There's yes. um, Jasper, <laughs> Michael Caine's character, is also very funny. He, he loves his pull my finger jokes. Mm. Um, he's got a weed that he's growing called Strawberry Cough, which yes. he loves talking about. And you hear him explain why he calls it Strawberry Cough to Theo. Mm. And then you hear him explaining it to Miriam later. And there's something about hearing him tell the story again that kind of makes it more real.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's just in the background again. It's is while it... Theo is making a drink or something. It's, it's just...
1: very, yeah, because you are talking about the documentary thing earlier. It's very... Believable. Mm. All of it's very, you know, the dialogue, everything, the way it's written is
0: very human. Absolutely very human. Yeah, and people's reactions to the scenes happening as well. Like there's a moment where everything switches, and you're like, ah, and then it switches back. Mm. Do you know the scene I mean? He's walking down the stairs, and everyone. Yes. "Mm." Oh my god. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. That yeah. That. I mean, it's
0: just. Your jaw will be on the floor. Well, that's the thing. By the end, because my mum read the is a fan of the book, so I I decided to watch it with her and my dad. And when the film ended, incidentally, the film ends as the story begins. Really, right? You're taken on a journey, and then the real story happens after the film. Um, and my dad said at the end that was depressing. Yep. And both me and my mum. What? It's so full of hope at the end. It's just rebirth isn't it
2: yeah
0: that's why again it's has that biblical kind of thing but yeah it's the start of a new chapter yeah should we say oh, oh yeah my absolute masterpiece could genuinely talk about this all night absolutely brilliant film hot diggity now
2: it's screen bucket with adam and One. I scream Screambucket! It. It's Johnny! It's Johnny Travolta! I noticed you played a song! You played a song from Greece! I was the lead actor in that show! I'm so happy that you played one of my songs! I'm such a big fan, and I just wanted to say, as a special reward to you two, I'm going to fly you to America, you're going to come to Los Angeles, and I'm going to take you for some coffee. I'm going to take you for some coffee. What? Right. We're going to have a good time, and then after the coffee's done, I'll send you back to the UK, and you can talk about more of my movies. I'll fly you there myself, because I'm a qualified pilot. Alright. It's me signing out now. Have a very nice time. Goodbye. While on the set. Hope you got your popcorn and large soda ready because you're listening to Scream Bucket with Adam and Rob.
0: And that was Tom Hark by The Piranhas. Ooh, why did we play that? Because it's the only music piece in Dog Soldiers that was actually usable.
1: Yeah, everything else was...
0: Sort of rubbish. Mm. Mm. Dog soldiers, then. Yay! Two thousand two. Let's not start on a negative because we love this film. Yes,
1: we do. We love this film so much.
0: Written and directed by Neil Marshall, who is a low budget, was a low budget filmmaker. He Now does quite big stuff. Game of Thrones, yeah. Lost in Space. Yeah, he just did Hellboy, didn't he? Just did Hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we <Well, laughs> yeah, we'll move past that. Uh, yeah. What a film.
1: Yeah. We chose. I said before we chose this. Pretty much because we met Sean Pertwee at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, he might be our favourite person at the moment. He is our,
1: he's my favourite man, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean genuinely. Um, Dog Soldiers is soldiers versus werewolves. Yeah. That's, that's it? The, that's the tagline. British, Brit, what is the tagline? Well, it should be that. Six men, full moon, no chance.
1: Oh, great. <laughs> <sighs>
0: So this is, I said that in an American accent, I shouldn't have done, because it's the most British film Do ever. Do
1: it in a Sean Bertwee accent.
0: Six men, full moon, no chance. Better. Uh, it's what happens in Dog Soldiers?
1: So we start off with a lovely romantic couple. They're camping, and then the lady says to the man, oh, I got you a present, it's this silver knife. A silver knife? Whatever could that be used for? Who knows? In a film about werewolves.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Chekhov's letter opener. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, they're, so they're having a lovely time. They're in the tent after that. They're canoodling. And then all of a sudden, the zip starts to go up. Mm. What's going on there? They're frozen with fear. All of a sudden, the woman is grabbed and lunged halfway out the tent. Cue... Slashing, ripping, gory noises. Oh, yes. And it is heavily implied that she's ripped in half. Oh, yes. And the half is left in the body. The man is left frozen in fear whilst snarling and whatnot comes towards him. And boosh, we're in.
0: We're in the film. We're in the film. Yes, what an opening. We cut straight to Coops in the Scottish Highlands. Coops played by Kevin McKidd.
1: Yes, and he's been... uh, He's on a mission, and we, we learned that it's like a training mission. He's best, he's top of the class, but eventually gets caught. He's trying to evade capture for as long as possible. Yeah,
0: he's, he's training with the special forces led by... Captain Ryan. Captain mm-hmm. Richard Ryan, played mm. by Liam Cunningham.
1: Yes, uh, Game of Thrones fans, you'll know him as Sir Davos the Onion Knight, playing the polar opposite character.
0: <laughs> mm. He's a Rongan, isn't he? He's a baddie. He's very much your well-spoken British baddie. yes. Like, lost... to a T. To a T. And he does the TV trope cliché of kicking the dog to show that he's a bad guy.
1: Yeah, except he shoots the dog.
0: Except, yeah, he very much... Metaphors be damned, he literally shoots the dog and shows us that he's a baddie.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're, we don't like this man straight away. Yeah,
0: Coops on the other hand refuses to do that and we're on his side. Yes. Simple as that.
1: Yeah, and he's punished by... Well, you're not joining my team. You're not joining the Special Forces.
0: Yeah, he, so he ends up just with basic squaddies, really. Led by, in a team of six men led by Sergeant Harry G. Wells. Yeah. by Sean Pertwee. Oh, yes. Um, you've also got Private Spoonie, played by Darren Morfitt. He's like the, he cracks jokes and he has fun. Yeah,
1: he's that one. We've got Private Joe Kirkley, played by Chris Robson. And
0: some other ones. And also Corporal (laughs) Bruce Campbell. Corporal Bruce Campbell, yes. Because Dog Soldiers, as openly admitted by Neil Marshall, it's a reference to everything he ever respected or liked. So the soldiers themselves, their banter is heavily based on his dad and grandfather, who were army men.
1: Hmm. That's why all the
0: gallows humour comes into it constantly. Absolutely. And there's a lot of it as well. You've got references to Evil Dead. You've yeah. got Aliens comes up later on. It's awesome. Yeah. It's it's so in tune with my brain. Yeah. It might be one of my favourite films No, I agree. Agreed, agreed. Um, but yes, we're, we see a squaddy. They're on manoeuvres in the Scottish Highlands. They're doing some silly training exercise. Yeah, they're sort of versus the SAS. Um, and while they're navigating the highlands they stop round the campfire and we all get this really nice moment where we all meet all the characters and hear all their stories and get to know everyone uh we hear a really harrowing story from wales Immediately cut in with a joke from Spoony. Ah, friendly banter, yeah. everyone's friends, and then cow. Yes, oh my God, <laughs> cow from the sky. A cow falls on the camp.
2: Yeah, and they all, freak they all out. go
1: absolutely berserk, and not no point whilst they're running around. Does anyone say, "Let's go see where that cow came from"? Which is brilliant. <laughs> they're just like, "What? Two, of you go and look out. You two, get your heads down." And that's it.
0: Yeah the cow's been torn apart in Stanley it's not been shot or anything it's been ripped ripped to shreds and this yeah. is following in a scene
1: prior um, what's his face main character coop 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 says before there's been disappearances and they've only ever found ah. remains
0: so they're kind of pegging what's something up in this neck of the woods yeah 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 and uh, the next morning anyway they coop uh, wells has a change of heart Decides he's curious now. Yeah. (laughs) And they decide to follow the trail of blood left by the cow to where it came from. And that's when they find the ruined site. They find the SAS camp. Mm. Where the SAS soldiers have been replaced by puddles of goo.
1: Yeah, very predatory guts and slimy goo.
0: Yes, absolutely. Bright, fluorescent puddles of guts and slime and blood. I do wish that we watched this a bit earlier, because it might have changed our uh, our own horror movie the
1: slightly. The effect I would have taken is when the boot comes up and the slime yeah. kind of sticks to the boot. Oh, If we yes. could have replicated that.
0: Oh, we still could. Yeah. We still could. They find that all the radios and stuff have been damaged. They find their own radios not working.
1: Yeah, and they've been chipped. They've been tagged. They've been bugged.
0: Yeah. So something's going on.
1: Yeah, something out of their hands. Mm. And this is when an old foe pops out. Captain Ryan, who Coop thought he was well shot of, he just pops out from behind some boxes. He's got a big gash on his face. He's gibberishly talking about...
0: We thought there'd be only one. Yeah, we thought there was only one. Only one what? Mm. So they are aware that something's out there. They realise night time's falling, so they start moving off. And they move off directly into a Christmas tree area of a garden centre. <laughs> I mean, not really, but it looks a lot like it, hmm. uh, where they get attacked. So the
1: first fatality belongs to Bruce Campbell. Yep. Who, is, uh, some...
0: who runs fast enough to impale himself on a branch.
1: Yeah, like all the way through, and then some. The whole way. Yeah. There's a foot or two of branch... After his body.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't even running that yeah, fast. He wasn't. He was just sort well, of skipping along. He is Bruce Campbell. Mm. Mm. Uh, Wells finds him as he gets attacked himself and gets slashed across the belly.
1: Oh, and we see guts. We see guts. Coop, after this, uh, you know, manages to shoot the attacking werewolf away. Mm-hmm. We know now it's a bloody werewolf. Um, so, yeah, so Coop and Wells... They're scarping away, limping along, and they run into a Range Rover driven by Megan.
0: Yes. A curious character. A curious character who just happens to be in the right place at the right time. So she gathers all the squad up, the remaining squad, and they drive off to a, a cottage in the woods.
1: Yes. And the cottage is where the fun begins. Yes.
0: We spend the rest of the film in this place. The soldiers basically barricade themselves in and try and work out what to do next. Yes. Very much Night of the Living Dead sort of style. 100%. It's like yeah. barricading the windows, blocking the doors, um, and counting their bullets, really. Yeah. We start to see lots of references to, like, Zulu. There's a speech with Rock's drift music playing in the background. It's like, okay.
1: Yeah, they just, it's just kept so British. And then there's this <laughs> constant football match going on.
0: Is this? Yeah. I
1: mean, it's based around, obviously, England's famous thrashing of Germany 5-1. Yeah, yeah, find out, that's but, the background. Um, yeah,
0: <laughs> but then what? What does? Uh, who is it? Is it Spoon? It's uh, Private Kirkley, Joe. He asked Megan at one point. Oh, I wish I knew who won the match. Oh, is there a game on? It's not a game.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that was a big laugh. Brilliant. In the room. <laughs> so there's
1: all of this Britishness, British manly hooligan soldieriness. Sort of personified by Pertwee himself. Oh yeah, which just oozes
0: Who's manic and swearing, and the the language is used in a funny way. Yes, there's just these little moments where they just react like you would expect to react yourself. Oh massively. <laughs> oh, <go off>. yeah. <laughs> and one bit when Spoonie's like hammering, you, they're under attack by the werewolves. He's trying to hammer a bit of wood into the door to block and it just, off. Just hammering and hands. the hands at the. A paw comes through the letterbox. You're just there, there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really the action's really cool. The action's really interesting, and there's lots of blood and splatter, and it's awesome. But what works really well is equally the the low points. The yes, moments of calm.
1: Definitely, there's a the the whole thing of being trapped in a cottage with. People who want to survive, and then you've got this you've got Captain Ryan in a chair who's kind of goading them through, getting under their skin, getting under he? their skin all the mm. way along. And that rising tension is utterly perfect for a film like this. Yeah. They nailed it like beautifully. Oh,
0: it's absolutely phenomenal, really. I mean, some of the shots were a bit funny, a bit weak, some yeah. The music's a bit weak, but it all works so well. Mm. Uh, there's one scene we have to talk about though. Oh, yes. So, Sean Pertwee, sorry, Sergeant Wells, um, has been wounded badly, as we mentioned. They're trying to, Megan and Coops are trying to sew him up with superglue and whiskey. And
1: uh, he's not enjoying
0: it. He, <laughs> he's really not enjoying
1: it. I'm, I'm assuming this is a deliberate decision where the director said, let's get Pertwee absolutely <laughs> wasted for this scene. Because <laughs> that's what they did. Yes.
0: Well, he we know he was drunk. Yeah. He may not, it may have been that it's low-budget filmmaking. The whiskey bottle was just whiskey. Yeah. And he had to drink want? so much. Um, and he, he, basically, the pain's too much, so he asked Coops to punch him out. And the first punch was a stage punch. And then he comes back, and he punches him again. And that time, he really hit him in the face.
1: Right on the nose.
0: But he didn't notice, because mm. he was smashed.
1: Fantastic. <laughs> amazing. But
0: watching watching that scene with that knowledge changes it completely. It's amazing.
1: Can I play a clip of that bit? Just do it. Just do it. Alright. I'll tell you what, I love him. I love you! Like a mate that I that I love. Would you like to be
2: alone? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dirty I'll f- stick <laughs> you bond. I'll tell
0: you something, so Stuck in really cool.
2: oh, knock me out Hey me oh, you
1: they were interesting well, I actually really loved the design of the werewolf in this, but it's not like they're not manly, they're quite swanky.
0: And... They're very long and thin and...
1: Effeminate sort of thing. Yeah,
0: they're very lift. They look like dancers.
1: Yeah, they're kind of controlled by a top-heavy sway, which makes them... I I wouldn't say... I mean, they are comedic,
0: but... uh, I don't think they are. I think they're actually quite sinister for what they are.
1: Yeah, I mean... They're very otherworldly. I suppose, yeah. You add the otherworldliness to the fact that they cause absolute carnage and rip some of these yeah, soldiers absolutely. to shreds, that's where the fear comes. Yeah, That's where they become sinister.
0: Well, part of what makes it so good as well is this This was 2002 and the filmmakers were sick of all the CGI in films. So they out, went out of their way to make costumes for people with animatronic faces. That was 2002. And
1: it made... I wouldn't want to watch this film if it was CGI. No, no. It's the fact that you can touch them, the fact that they look real, the fact that they're there... there. It makes it what it is. Yes. You know, absolutely no chance of CGI for me in this. And modern filmmakers should take note, I think.
0: This is a film that, as low-budget filmmakers ourselves, this is like the gold standard. Yes. Regardless of all other cinema, this is something you can achieve. And to be fair, I think it stands out as one of the best British horror movies ever.
1: Yes, definitely. Because they nailed everything. I mean, music aside...
0: Yeah, the music was lame. There were scenes where there probably should have been music, but there wasn't. Yeah. But the characters, the dialogue, the baddie, the
1: monsters, the every single aspect of this film was done perfectly for what it is.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So yeah, couldn't recommend it more.
0: Watch this film. If you haven't seen it, why not? Yeah. If you have seen it, watch it again. It's awesome.
1: Yes, I would say this should probably go into the Holiday Media Hall of Fame.
0: I think so. It's also a bit Quaggers. Yes. I mean, it's very not, delib- not deliberately. No, maybe subconsciously. Let's put on a song you've chosen.
1: Yes. Um. I remember someone singing this at the Horrorcon karaoke. Uh, it is in Eurotrip and other films. Ninety-nine Luftballons by Nina.
0: Yeah. Adam and Rob. You
2: have one message. Message one. Bonjour, this is John Reno. I am lost on the streets of London. I
1: do not like this city. It is very cold and dark and everyone is rude. Not like a gay Paris, where everyone is beautiful and smells of garlic and cheese.
2: Oh,
0: no, no. I don't even know who this is.
2: John Reno!
0: <laughs>
1: Who's that? He's the French guy from Ronin!
0: You know? No. Ronin! You've seen Ronin! <laughs>
2: don't forget. You haven't seen Ronin!
0: <laughs> this is better than the voicemail.
2: God! <laughs> no.
0: You've gone old Chris O'Dowd, mate. When Wait. did this happen?
1: Wait! Ronin. <laughs> That's the name of the film, isn't it? I
0: think so.
1: John Reno. Hang on. Wait. <laughs> All right. John Reno. French. Oh, him. What's the film called? Leon, what's Ronin? <laughs> he is in a film. There is a film called Ronin. Yeah, it's got Tom Cruise in it, hasn't it? No, Mate, oh. he's in it. He's in a film called Le Chef.
0: <laughs> Le Chef, oh, God.
1: Leon, you've seen Leon? I don't think I have. You've
2: seen Leon?
1: <laughs> Leon's a masterpiece. Is it? He's a baby, little girl oh. who's um. She's in Star Wars. She's Padme. Which one's
0: she? Oh, Nicole. No, no.
1: no. Wait.
0: It's not Keira Knightley.
1: No, of course it's not. <laughs> Padme. Who's she? She's really famous. Who's she played by? <laughs> Hang on. Wait, I need to describe this film to you. <laughs>
0: Padmay Natalie Portman.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Baby Natalie Portman is a little girl and Leon is a retired assassin. He has to protect her and all of these assassins are attacking a flat. All right. And he has to get her out. And okay. It's really
0: good. Is it? You haven't seen it. <laughs> Pause it. Uh, speaking of ghosts, it looks like you've got a book there, Rob. I do indeed. For our local listeners, we
1: have a book called Ghostly Hertfordshire. True Ghost Stories by Damien O'Dell
0: Yeah, I bought this book about 10, 15 years ago It's got some creepy stuff in it, man Yeah, I've only had it for about a year though Why? It's been sat on your bookshelf since then Oh yeah, true I hope you've read it thoroughly from page Oh, to page. so many times Oh yeah, I know, sure Back to front Great Well, what have we got? Is there any local ones to talk about?
1: Alright, so we know Hitchin is uh, a very old town Yep Going back over a thousand years um, it's got some very spooky sort of places, like uh, down in Bucklesbury. You've got places like the Heart and the George. Yeah, the yeah. Heart quite famously is where the last hanging in Hitchin mm, was. I think that's is that dubious. Yeah. Ah. Okay. But you yeah, know, one of them will. We've got the the Sun Hotel, Saint Mary's Church, and quite notably the Priory, Hitchin Priory, the
0: uh, the hotel. Yeah. Mm, that place has had some real history. I don't know if it's in that book, but do you hear, ever hear about the Roman soldiers? No. This is a story I heard when I was in primary school, and I've, I've loved it ever since. It was a really misty day, and someone was out in the in the park behind, and Roman soldiers walked through the mist. Really? Yeah. How cool is hmm. that? So, a thousand years might be uh, not giving Hitch enough credit.
1: Oh, no. Cause, well, because it was Hicko, was it? Or was that the river?
0: That was a the No, I mean? there was a tribe, was there maybe? The Hicka tribe? Possibly. I know the Icenes were nearby. Right. Boudica. Hmm. Anyway, they're just interesting little side note. Hmm, interesting, yes. We
1: we're quite proud of our heritage.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: But I've picked out a quite interesting priory uh, story. A tale. Okay. A tale of woe and love. Right. Okay, so the most frequently mentioned of Hitchin Priory's plethora of phantoms is an anniversary ghost reputed to appear on June fifteenth, and it is a ghostly cavalier called Goring. Northwest of Hitchin lies the village of Purton, where there is a Tudor mansion dating from about fifteen ten, called Highdown House, which was built by the Dalrymple family of Lilly. Each year, on 15th of June, a headless
0: cavalier is said to ride his white horse. That's my birthday. That happens on my birthday. Incredible. You used to look for him, didn't you? We did. We used to search for him every year. Hmm. No luck.
1: We'll find him. So that is apparently the ghost of Goring. And this unfortunate cavalier soldier took shelter in a small roof chamber, a chamber that is also haunted by the appearance of a beautiful young woman who was reported by a startled guest during the 1980s, sitting on the edge of the bed and she's probably the spirit of Goring's former girlfriend. Mm. During the summer of 1648, Goring had been visiting a lady friend, dangerous assignation as the area was crawling with parliamentarian troopers at Highdown House when he was surprised by the Roundheads. He managed to escape via a secret underground passage and hidden in a hollow Weichelm. The parliamentarian troops were occupying Hitchin. It's isn't it? Yeah, probably. I have no idea. I'll go with you. Witchelm. The area is under command of Colonel Scoop. God, what a guy. And they discovered Goring's hiding place, dragged him to the foot of the tree, and ruthlessly cut him down. His murder was witnessed from afar by his girlfriend, who soon after collapsed and died of shock.
0: Hmm. Wow. Harrowing tale. Yes, indeed. Are there any more? (laughs) Loads. (laughs) Yeah, well, yes, there are loads. Um, If anyone does live in the Hitchin area... Do you recommend the Ghost Walk?
1: Yes, uh, Derek Wheeler's Ghost Walks. Um We should look that up, see if he's doing any.
0: Well, um, yeah, going, we did. Yeah. Well, we went on one on Halloween a couple of years ago, didn't we? We
1: did. I dressed up as the Grim Reaper, um, and my wife
0: dressed up as a slasher victim. Yes, with help as a speech bubble outside yeah, her head. Brilliant. It was great. Mm. Um, yeah, no, really good, really interesting. He had all sorts of tales about all that part of Hitchin, which was absolutely brilliant. What well, what's interesting is the... 70% of the tours, history local history hmm. 30% is ghost stories yeah you learn a lot But yeah you do um, and essentially he always oh, I don't want to spoil it but he with us he opened saying he didn't believe any of it and by the end you sort of start to wonder that because hmm. he's seen things as well yeah he has hasn't he we should get him on we should
1: Derek if you're listening I'm coming for you oh dear <laughs> in the spirit of Halloween.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's quite cool that sort of local history's still alive in that way, that you can hear about it as a as a story like you should. Definitely. It makes you wonder, what it would be like to if you were to make your own one up from scratch? Hmm. 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 Let's have a listen to Surfing Dead by The Creeps and the soundtrack of Return of the Living Dead, while well, we have a little think about that one...
2: Message. Message. One. Hello. Hello, Screen Bucket. It's Ian McCallum here. Sir Ian McKellen to you. I'm calling up because I'm very, very annoyed. Patrick Stewart, first, has got a new part reprising his role as that bald headed space buffoon in Star Trek, and now he's stolen my cover I'm very, very annoyed. I'm beside myself in rage. Now, if you don't call up, sir, sir, my foot, Patrick Stewart, this instant, and get me back my camembert, I will bring all of my rage upon you and your stupid radio show. That is all. Do it instantly. Good. Day, Adam and Rob.
0: Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye now. Bye.
2: Goodbye, dear. Ah,
0: that's the shop closed for another evening. I guess I'll just finger space all the dresses. Oh, it's very cold in here tonight. Oh, I just rearranged these, these jeans. I thought I did this one earlier, but... Oh, well, I'll just do it again, that's fine. Mm-hmm. What? What was that noise? Oh, it's obviously just me. Never mind. I'll, I'll just carry on.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, I'm not sure what that was, but I'm... Uh, maybe I'll just go to the other side of the shop, and I'll just tidy that bit first. No! Um, I might just it, leave it, at, leave it at that, and just go home early. Yeah, I'll, I'll tidy up in the morning. I, I just um.
2: Stay.
0: Okay. Hello? A, hello. Oh, Johnny, I thought it was you. Oh, hello. My boyfriend, Johnny.
1: Oh, all right, my lovely Samantha.
0: Why do, you, why do you always try and scare me like that? Oh, you know what I'm like. I'm a bit mischievous. Yeah. Oh, I really thought something spooky was happening. No, no, no. I think
1: we should get some fish and chips on the way home. I bought a jar of gherkins to go with. Them. Oh, my favourite. Yeah, we can eat it in
0: the voxel. What the blooming, what the blooming dickens was that? Oh, that's the noise I thought- I thought that was you. Oh, no,
1: no, no. I was, um, I was on the toilet.
0: Oh. Well, something's making noises around here, I- I don't- I just don't know. Oh,
1: You stay there, I'm gonna- I'm gonna see what that was.
0: Oh. Are you sure that's a good idea?
1: It's my duty and responsibility as your lover.
0: Okay, well, if you want to reinforce that gender stereotype, then then be my guest.
1: I oh, certainly will. And whilst, you do, whilst I'm doing that, you can put the kettle on. <laughs>
0: uh, Boopy
1: doopy doo. I think the noise came from that cupboard. I'm going to open it and see what's in there.
2: Oh my god!
0: Oh, that's the kettle boiled. I'll just pour some tea. I wonder where Johnny's got to. (laughs) Oh, I thought I'd turn that lawn sprinkler off. Oh, I just turned it off. <laughs> I
2: get all wet. <laughs> oh,
0: I've turned it off instead. I'll turn it down. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. heaven. <laughs> oh, I thought I turned that off.
2: Oh, wait, that's not
0: water coming out.
2: Samantha! Samantha! Ch- Ch- Johnny! Johnny, what's
0: happening, Johnny? He's chopped my bleeding arm off. He's <laughs> chopped oh my he Johnny, arm off. That's my favourite part of you, Johnny. Oh, what do you mean that's your favourite part? Oh, I, I didn't think you were in the room with me. I'm sorry. I felt I thought I was saying out of my breath. Anyway, <laughs> I'm bleeding. No, no 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 look! Just stop waving your arm about. It. You're getting it all over the furniture. I can't help it, it really is. I oh, just, just can't. can see my down. bones. Calm down. What happened? What happened? I don't know. Something just ate me arm. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, he just what ate it? What was it? I don't know. It was a weird goblin monster
2: thing. Oh my arm! My arm! You get away from me! You goblin, go!
0: Oh, but Mr. Goblin, why have you done this horrible thing?
1: Because his arm um, tastes like marmalade and I love marmalade.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Does it? I love marmalade too. He's still got one more. <laughs> Do
1: you want to eat your boyfriend with me?
0: No, I'd, I, I i rather think I want to go I home. I know you want to, uh, uh, Mr. Goblin. Marmalade, Mr. Goblin, your marmalade. Your eyes are so seductive. Mm. Mm. Maybe I could be persuaded to,
2: to devour my boyfriend. Just one bite. Eat it. Don't make I. I, I... You can't eat me.
0: I'm sorry, Johnny. I was going to propose to you. Yes, that's that's very nice. But marmalade is, is quite rare these don't days. Don't listen to that goblin. I don't taste like marmalade. I taste like rotten eggs. Mr. Goblin, is is that true?
1: No, he tastes like he tastes like marmalade on toast. Don't listen to him.
0: Oh well. Marmalade's so rare now after, after Article Fifty. I... Ah,
1: yes, we can't forget Article Fifty.
2: No, oh, we can't forget. DON'T EAT ME! He
0: does taste like marmalade on toast. I told you. What What else have you got to teach me, Mr Goblin?
1: I can tell you how to do your taxes and, you know, make more money in your shop. Oh. Your prices are too high, but you'll sell more if you really need
0: do you happen to be part of the shared intern awarded service? I say yes, I absolutely am. Oh, lovely! Let's have a great big chat about it.
1: Hey, come with me. Do you want to bring a, a, a? Do you want to bring his foot while you're at it?
0: Does Should that? Not- does that taste like marmalade too? Marmite. Oh my! Oh, come, Mr. Goblin. We have lots to learn.
1: <laughs> Alright,
0: that's the horror story. Sweet. <laughs> Let's see, ghost stories are easy to make up on the spot. It sometimes makes you wonder if they're easy to just fake. When they're mm. so easy to uh to summon up. Yeah. That was the famous uh M cannibal. Man manable. Manable. Mm. The manable killer. The marmalade cannibal. Marmalade and Marmite. Man and Oh, cannibal. Yeah, God. goodness me. Samantha the manable. some Sammable. Oh man. We need to tell Derek about this immediately. Definitely. Hollow Dell Media's Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. Hmm, interesting hearing our old improv back, isn't it?
1: I know, some of them are good and then some of them are bad.
0: Yeah, so that was probably one of my favourite ones. Yes,
1: I agree, I agree. Marmalade. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it says the mindset we were in at the time.
0: Yeah, probably a bit hungry.
1: Oh, sort of, so that was Halloween.
0: That was the first of our two the Halloween specials th- last year. So week.
1: it's funny that you analysed that. And at that time of the year, we are pasty, marmitey, we're jarred things. We become fans of the jarred objects yeah. around autumn. Is there something comforting and homely about having the contents of a jar and smearing it on something and eating it?
0: Um, Yeah. I suppose. Is
1: it some a cupboard is quite a homely, warm, autumnly place. A it, cupboard. I would say full so. Full of old, jarred objects. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Spiders. Mm, yes, very autumnly creature. The spider. Um. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, would you say that summer you hate jars?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because Absolutely. it's ah, Because I tell you what. I tell you what jars do in summer. What? They attract wasps
0: well they're also a lifesaver for wasps wasps because if you're outside in weverspoon's hitchin angel vaults for example oh, you, well, would attract, wasp central. you would attract you would attract 15000 wasps yeah even inside even inside <laughs> i just have a lovely day. <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of them right if you have a jar you can put the jar... smeared with jar Yeah,
1: you can make a jar table. Or, because I was just picturing you could smear an entire table in jar. Mm. But that means that just millions of wasps would come. And it would just be a wasp club.
0: It wouldn't be much worse. Angel Voltage. in Angel vaults hitching. Angel vaults hitching. Mm.
1: A hive of community. <laughs> Jars are autumn.
0: Yeah, I suppose they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's preservatives from the harvest.
1: And you have to preserve yourself for the winter. Mmm. For the coming um, hibernation period. Well,
0: Halloween is quite harvesty, anyway, isn't it? It is, yeah. You've got the reaper with the scythe. Yep. Swish swash. Swish swash. Oh, God. Uh, so, <laughs> how can we round this uh, week's episode off? Have you got any wise thoughts? Some wisdoms? Wis-
1: uh, wisdoms? Wisdoms, 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 wis,
0: wisdoms. Mm. Ah, yes.
1: Don't break your laptop, because <laughs> you'll have to pay for it to be fixed.
0: Yes. How did you break your laptop, Robert?
1: I think it was water damage, mm. but there was—I don't remember where the water was.
0: It's a weird conclusion to jump to, because
1: there was a, there was a glass.
0: An empty glass? Yeah. A suspiciously empty glass?
1: There was a glass. It followed a night of drink. Okay. The laptop was kaput. <laughs> the, the laptop is kaput. If, you,
0: if it followed a night of drink, could you have just trodden on it?
1: I mean, no. Because it was horizontal. It was vertically leant against my bedside table. The water fell on it, I assume, from mm. the knocking... Of the the knocking
0: of the bedside. If only <laughs> I was
1: vigorously cleaning my broom <laughs> when it went off, and I'd spilled my water all
0: over the laptop. Oh, Harry, your broomstick awfully well polished. <laughs> oh my well, yes, Hermione, I've been riding it all day. Uh, oh, incidentally, may have noticed that we might. Our jingles may have changed a bit this episode, because North Hearts FM is now rebranded as North Hearts Radio.
1: It's metamorphosised.
0: Yes, it's evolved into the next form.
1: Sexier North Hearts Radio, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but a bit sad, because we were on 8 till 10, only on North Hearts FM. Now we're 8 till 10 on North Hearts Radio. Um, Film talk on
1: the go on North Hearts Radio.
0: Oh my god. You just came up with that right then. Yeah. Oh my god! You need to tap your brain.
1: Film talk on the go with North Hearts Radio. That's us.
0: Right. Well, that's done in next week's show. Sweet. <laughs> Where can they find us, Rob?
1: Uh, on Twitter, on Instagram.
0: Um, I find us on Instagram.
1: Uh, at, it's Twitter's with the North Hearts Radio. North Arts Radio.
0: At North Arts Radio. At North Arts Radio. But what Radio. about us? Uh,
1: at Screen Bucket. Nope. At Holladale Media. No, no, no. At Adam... It's <laughs> gone.
0: At Screen.
1: <laughs> underscore Bucket. At yes. Screen underscore Bucket.
0: Correct. And at Holladale Media. And at yes. Media. Yeah. Oh, God. gonna happen? Give up. <laughs> I'm going to write it behind my head. So whenever you look at me...
1: In the mirror, it will say... Yeah. You then are. it'll say, uh,
2: textual
1: This is like Twin Peaks.
0: Oh, God. All right, then. Well, see you in a fortnight, everyone. And we will have more of our compilation nuggets.
1: Yes, come feast upon our old nuggets
0: Mm, And then new nuggets shall follow
2: shortly Golden Golden nuggets See you later Bye